from Los Angeles, California. This is the Rider Strike Chronicles podcast, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hey there, today is Thursday, December 13th, 2007, day 38 of the Rider Strike. This episode is a continuation of Star Trek Day at the Picket Lines at Paramount Studios. Now let me just set this up. This recording begins just slightly after Harlan Ellison had either just had an exchange of dialogue or an interview, I can't tell which, with former Playboy model Irina Voronina, who is now a reporter for the Foxy News Network, where they're always fair, balanced, and hot. After a few moments of radical self-expression, I have an opportunity to ask Harlan a few questions before he turns me over to writer David Gerald. I think the rest is pretty self-explanatory, so without any further ado, let's roll. Yeah, that's like a horn sight. So, you know, don't be hurt that she didn't know who you were. I didn't, it wasn't that she didn't know who I was. She didn't know what the Godfather was. Yes. What? She, she said, I, she's looking at my sign. She says, what does it mean? I said, well, can't you read it? So she reads it with difficulty. And then, and then, and then I say, do you get the phrase sleeps with the fishes? She says, yes. She's a stripper. I don't care if she's a stripper or the head of... Are the head of the nuclear response group. Nobody is that fucking stupid that they don't know what the Godfather is. I'm sorry. I do not wish to excuse the current generation of morons and imbeciles because they have no racial history. I'm sorry. She knows who K-Fed is and she knows who her vagina is. Okay, it's enough for her to get through the day, but I don't want her talking to me. Leave me alone. Christ. The great curse the great curse of my life is that I'm still fucking alive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did you get a piece of pizza? No, but I got interviewed on Foxy News. <laughs> are you here to pick it or are you here to rant, Mr. Ellison? You can call me Harlan. Mr. Ellison was my father. He died in 49. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Harlan. <laughs> I, I can't help it's not ranting it's called expressing a, an impassioned opinion it used to be something worthwhile before the internet it used to be thought of as the use of vocabulary and rotomontade it used to be a mark of an intelligent urbane person now it's every nut job who has a finger to hit a space bar I'm not ranting I'm actually pissed off at the world couldn't you use the internet for the same purposes? No. Why not? Because it's shit. You don't write on the internet. That's, that's creative typing. That's not writing. I use a typewriter. Typewriter requires work. It requires foot-pounds of energy to work it. And when I do something wrong, I have to go back and erase it and cover it up and do it over. As opposed to the internet where you can shit all over the page and say any crap you want. And then say, oh, gee, I can get rid of those three paragraphs. If you have to get rid of those three paragraphs, you shouldn't have been writing in the first place. What do you think of blogging or performance writing? What do I think of blogging? Better you should ask me what I think about horse doping, fucking chickens, and drinking the blood of children. All right, talk about that. Fine, I think they are all nobler endeavors than blogging. I think the word blog sounds like something you would either upchuck or go to a hospital to have removed from your body. What is the future of entertainment as it pertains what to is digital the and David Ger- and there's who you should be talking to. David Gerald. This woman is a very important media source. Talk to David Gerald, the author of The Trouble with Tribbles. He- oh my god, are you the oh my god? Yeah. <laughs> 
He wrote the best episode ever of Trek, and you're saying, oh, my God. No, no, he wrote the best episode. No, I wrote the most popular. You wrote the best. That was the agreement, remember? Oh, the only reason I say you wrote the best is because when they start shooting, I want you to get killed, not me. I've always stood in front of you when the bullets fly, I know. You have. Yeah. He's a sweetie pie. This is one of the bravest people I know. One of the most personally courageous people I've ever known in my life. How so? None of your business. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know you. Walk into me on the street. I should tell you my secret, most innermost thought. I don't think so. <laughs> I washed my hair today. Did you notice? Yeah, it looks good. Am it's... I looking leonine? You look leonine. Yes, that was the word that escaped me. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm a complete nobody. It's an independent well, podcast. Um, okay. Just tell so me. What can I do for you? What's the future of media? Uh, it's all high-speed internet. Okay. How does this affect the industry? Well, I, there's no short answer. It's a long answer. Our whole entertainment industry is based entirely on technology. And every time technology changes, the industry changes. Disruptive technology. Uh, well, every new t- technology is disruptive to the old. Television hurt radio and movies, and so, you know, the internet uh, and video games hurt movies and television. So every new technology hurts the old ones. The internet is high-speed Digital transmission of picture, sound, music, everything, right in email, uh, video phone, right to your home. And we're like one black box away from having it all delivered to your TV set. So once we have that, where it goes straight to your TV set, you don't need your cable box or your satellite dish. You don't need to go to Netflix or Blockbuster. It's disintermediation. You don't need a middleman. Right. You'll be able to sit on your couch, and once the networks start broadcasting on the Internet instead of over the air or in addition to over the air, you'll get rid of all the other boxes you have. The Internet will be the last box or the last channel. And that's what this strike is about is that the writers have to get a fair share of that revenue, otherwise everything amounts to a rollback. What if you just take out the AMPTP and do it for yourself? That internet is about DIY. You are so smart, because that is exactly what a lot of people are doing. I have already two projects that are in negotiation. I have my own production company, and we've licensed some of my scripts to a couple of other companies that are now looking for funding. And we're going around the studio system because we have figured out that there are channels of distribution that don't go through the the, the, the presently existing channels of distribution. A year from now, 18 months from now, you could do a TV series entirely on the internet and support it entirely on the internet. Straight to your consumer. Straight to your audience. There's an example. There's Star Trek New Voyages, which uh, is a fan group that does their own Star Trek episodes. But they're professional quality episodes. I directed one for them and we had Denise Crosby and Bill Blair and a bunch of other professional actors and camera people and whatever. They're not allowed to make a profit because Paramount and CBS own the distribution rights. But they get 30 million downloads. Now, so why are they, they doing allowed, it? Because they love Star Trek okay. so much. That's, that's fair enough. But if they, were, if they were allowed to charge even a quarter a download, or more likely a buck per episode, they would be in the black, and they could produce Star Trek as long as the, or episodes of whatever as long as there was a big enough audience. And I think that's the future of television. Is the internet will make it possible for independent producers to bypass the studio system. The studios will become distributors and places where you go to rent sound stages unless they figure out a way to get into the market. 
one by consolidating it by locking down the internet. Yeah, you, well, they're trying. But the nice thing about the internet is the internet was built to be indestructible. And this is, this is a key point. The internet was designed originally as a part of a defense uh, project. At DARPA to keep, uh, we, we have to have a, a network of communications that won't break down if part of it is taken out. And the guy was smart enough to figure out you, you send messages in packets from node to node to node, they go around the damage. Well, that means. In a the, series of tubes. Yeah, well, or an information highway, whatever bad <laughs> Or a dump truck, whatever. Yeah, but the point is, no, you're great. <laughs> the point is, is that the internet cannot be controlled. Okay, so can it be unionized? Can the internet, uh, no, but you can have a union. See, I think the advantage of a union, the Writers Guild, is that when you hire a Writers Guild writer, you get someone who is professional, you get someone who plays by the rules, someone who you can depend on for a certain professional standard of behavior. And uh, when I've been a story editor or producer, I've always known that I can depend on WGA members. So, of course, I wouldn't hire someone who wasn't because that's against guild rules, you know, when you're on a union show. But you see what I'm saying is that the guild represents a level of professionalism. Okay, parting shots. Okay, uh, parting shots. I want the strike to be over quickly because there's a lot of good people who are out of work, actors and cameramen and costumes and props and truck drivers and grips and, and catering. and You know, there's thousands of jobs being affected. Before this is over, the economy of this town can be badly hurt. We've got to find a solution where everybody gets treated as partners. Thank you very much. Sure. You have been listening to the Writer Strike Chronicles podcast. For more information, visit our blog at wgastrike2007.blogspot.com.